The question of the day is, what is needed for love to grow? What is needed for love to grow? And the first thing I thought of with that question was, what is needed for anything to grow? Right? What is needed for, let's say, a tree? Okay, so I got a nice picture of a tree up here. What is needed for, uh, Jessica, pull up the tree for me real quick. What is needed for a tree to grow? Anybody know? What's one of the things? A seed, right? So the seed is a tiny, tiny baby tree, right? And then how does that seed grow into that? It needs water, right? What else does it, sunlight, what else does it need? Okay, yeah, it's going to use the process of photosynthesis in order to turn that sunlight into energy, right? So that it can grow and it needs nutrients, right? It needs to sink its roots down into the nutritious soil and suck up all of those uh, nutrients, the, 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 the nitrogen and the phosphorus and all the things that a plant needs to grow. And so, what was that? Ah, yes, very good, yeah, a ton of things, right? Air, because we breathe out and the trees breathe, trees breathe in, right? And so what is needed for a tree to grow are some very important ingredients, right? And, and, and these are things that we, we know that without any of these things, without light, a tree will wither and die. Uh, without water, a tree will wither and die. Without air, a tree will wither and die. Without good soil, a tree will wither and die. How many of us feel like love in our lives is withering and dying so much of the time? That's, that's life, right? That's the world we live in. And I'm not just talking about romantic love. I want to be clear about that. I'm talking about any relational love that we might have for any other person or that we might have for God, right? Love for God seems to at times wither and die, right? Why? Because maybe it doesn't have the right ingredients. And and what the Apostle Paul is doing at the end of his introduction to this letter that he's writing to the church at Philippi um, is he's, he's actually ending this first, his introduction, he's ending it with a prayer, because he recognizes the same problem, right? He recognizes that, 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 that love is withering and dying if it's not tended to. Love is withering and dying if it doesn't have the right ingredients. And so he prays. And what does he pray? Here's what he prays. Listen, this is God's word, beginning at verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. That's his prayer. Let me read it one more time, because we really want to, it's short, we're going to listen to God's word. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The good news, y'all, is that God tells us right here in this prayer what the ingredients are to make love grow. 
He tells us what they are right here in this short scripture, what the ingredients are. And this is why Paul is praying not just for some random love, right? He's not just praying that love would grow generally, but he's praying that a certain kind of love would grow, that a godly love would grow. And the first ingredient, you probably noticed it right away, was that it says that your love would abound more and more, in verse 9, with what? Knowledge and all discernment. And so love needs knowledge. And I would include discernment in that. Love needs knowledge. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with what? Knowledge. And to all discernment. You see, the reason that Paul and the Lord is telling us that love in order to grow needs knowledge is because we don't want to just grow a superficial love. We, we don't want a love that is just affinity, right? Like we like the same things. We both like video games, right? And so our love is based on a common interest. That is not the kind of love God wants to build. That is not the kind of love that God wants to grow. Not just affinity. We look the same. Racial, interracial, you know, racial love. Love for me and my people. Right? Like that's good, but that's superficial. It is. It's superficial. And it's not about a short-term love. It's not about a love that's based on passion. You know, like, uh, like, like the football game love. You know, when you're at the football game, everyone loves the team, right? And they're cheering and they're excited but it's short-lived because passion doesn't last beyond the end of the game very long. Even if you, well, sometimes it ends in a hangover, right? Sometimes love ends, that kind of love, that kind of short-term passionate love can end very quickly before you even know it. And so that's not the kind of love that God is wanting for us. It's not a mere affinity. It's not a mere passion. And it's not defined by the world. It's not pleasure-seeking. It's not self-pleasing love that's just there for me and what I can get. Amen? But it is an eyes-wide-open, honest, sacrificial, and committed love. An eyes-wide-open, sacrificial, and committed love. That is the love that, that God wants for his people. That is the, the love that God wants for us. And so it requires knowledge. That's why it requires knowledge. Why? Because love without knowledge is just fleeting passion. Love without knowledge is just affinity. But love, true Godly love demands knowledge. Well, what, what is that? What is knowledge? Knowledge is knowing facts, right? That's part of it. It's knowing information. Like I have knowledge of uh, chemistry, right? I have to learn facts about it. And this applies to relationships too, doesn't it? Not just romantic relationships, but all relationships. We have to have knowledge of the other person. Right, we have to know something about them. What's the first thing that we like to know about someone? Their what? Their name, right? And then from there, uh, I don't know if you've ever done speed dating, which is, I don't recommend it necessarily, but you sit in front of someone and in three, or three to seven minutes, you get, like, learn as many what facts as you can. So knowledge is important, right? It's, a, it's an important part of love. 
to know something about someone. But it's more than knowing facts. It has to get down into the heart, right? It has to get down into the passions. It has to get down into the motives and the desires. Because the more you get to know someone, the more you get to know how they tick, right? The more you get to know a a person, the more you can love them deeply because you know what You know what they need. You know what they want. You know what they desire. That's why love needs knowledge and discernment. Because knowledge by itself could be used as a weapon. Right? If I know something about you, I can manipulate you. If I know something about you, I can take advantage of you. This is what con artists do. This is what a lot of boyfriends do. (laughs) Amen? And girlfriends. Okay. This is what some parents do. This is what children do to manipulate. They have knowledge, and they know if I pull the right lever, if I push the right button, I can get what I want. So knowledge is not everything. That's why I believe Paul, as he's praying, prays not just for knowledge, but for knowledge and discernment. Because discernment is not just knowing the person, but it's acting for their good. It's knowing them and acting for their good. Choosing to take the knowledge and use it for good. You know, I have a picture up here of a a couple, an older couple. Not older, but, well, somewhat older. I'll say older. Can I say that? There's gray hair up there. Seasoned. Seasoned. And, 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 you know, a picture, okay, this is like idyllic, right? Love is not, we know love is not always like this. Romantic love is not always like this. But this is a beautiful picture, I think, of a couple who seem to really love each other, right? You can see it sort of in their expressions. And so how do you get there? How do you get there in a relationship, a romantic relationship, a marriage Uh, How do you get there in a brother-sister relationship? How do you get there in a church relationship? How do you get to that point where you really enjoy each other? It's through knowledge and through discernment. When you first start dating someone, you want to know all about them. You want to know their interests, their career, their family, their background. But at some point, usually after marriage, that begins to stop. And so you stop, people stop being interested in knowledge about the other person. This goes for any relationship, not just romantic relationships, friendships. It goes for church relationships. At some point, you just go with the flow and you stop being curious. And so love begins to wither and die, right? Because we stop being curious. The same thing is true for our relationship with God. When you first became a Christian, you were excited about God. You loved God. Your heart was huge for God. How could he choose me a sinner, right? How could he give me his grace? And your love for God is huge. But at some point along the way, we stop being curious about God. We stop being curious about his love. We stop asking questions about what does God think about what I'm about to do, right? What What are God's passions? What does he love? And then discernment, how can I take what I know about what God loves and seek to bring that about in my life? A seek to respond to what I know God loves. Faithfulness, justice, truth, goodness, 
kindness, excellence, sacrifice, all of the things that we know God loves, when we know Him and when we don't stop knowing Him, then we can bring them to Him as a living, what? Sacrifice. Right? Our lives then become uh, more united to God because we, st- we continue to be curious. And look, here's the good news. It's not too late. <laughs> because I know some of you are sitting there and you're like, yeah, my, my relationship with God is pretty dull. And you know how I know that? Because I know myself. <laughs> and I know, I know that a relationship with God can grow cold. And it does. It absolutely does. But what Paul is praying for the church in Philippi, and what he's praying for us is that we would abound in love more and more in knowledge and discernment. And that means that we would be curious about the Lord. That means that when we go to the Bible, it's not just a religious exercise. It's going to a, to a letter written to us, a story written to us that tells us about who God is. What he does, what he loves, what he's done in the past, what he promises that he will do in the future. And so going to the word of God is about growing in knowledge of a person. About growing in a knowledge of him, getting dis- growing in discernment. That means acting on that knowledge, right? Love for God grows in the same way. Love needs knowledge. Next, love needs perspective. Love needs perspective. Look at verse 10. Uh, I'll read verse 9 because it kind of flows into it. He says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10, So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Love needs knowledge and love needs perspective. Why is love so hard? Why is love so difficult? Because love in a family or in a romantic relationship or in a a community, love is messy. Relationships are messy. We hurt one another. We sin against one another. We disappoint one another. We betray one another. We don't respect one another. We don't love one another. We reject each other. And we do it all the time. We do it. Hear me saying, we do it all the time, right? I'm not saying you bad people out there, right? This is the church. We're we're not put together. We are dependent on God's grace. And so we can own up to it. That we are the problem. We are part of the problem. Now, you may not hear that in church very often, but please hear me say that. We are part of the problem. We are why love is so difficult. We hurt each other. And so Paul prays for the church that they would keep perspective. I find this very interesting that he says that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. Now, how many of you raise your hand if you feel like you are pretty much pure and blameless? Just go ahead and raise your hand, and I'm going to go ahead and put my hand down uh, because it ain't so. That's why we need perspective. Because what God has promised us 
in the gospel is that in Christ you are. Is that in Christ, at the day of Christ, which means at the day of his return, at the day of his judgment, you who are in him are pure and blameless. You who are in him will be vindicated. You who are in him will be declared not guilty. You, not only that, but you will be recognized as children of God. You will be recognized as fully righteous, fully pure, fully blameless. Isn't that amazing? That God could look at you and me, and we know, like right now, that's not so much the case at all. But if we have perspective, if we look to the day of Christ, what we will see is that what we're going to be is pure and blameless. And that perspective is rooted in today. Notice what he says, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He's saying this is a living reality. Last week we talked about some big theological terms, justification, sanctification, and glorification. If you missed that, you can catch it on the app. Go back and listen to it. What, is, what does that mean? Just to summarize, justification means that right now you are forgiven. Right now you are made right with God. It's done. If you, if you croak right now, if you fall over and die on the way out of the door, you will never be more righteous than you are right now. Why? Because you've been a good person. No! <laughs> no, because Jesus gave his life for you. And his life is a covering for you. Right now, if you die and go to heaven, go, go stand before God, you will go to heaven. Right now. In Christ. Not in Christ, then you're on your own. Not in Christ, then you better hope you did more good than bad. Not in Christ, God says even one sin will condemn you. Because God is perfectly holy. And so we have no hope apart from God himself coming in the flesh and living among us and dying for us and giving us new life. Uh, apart from that, the, the scales of God's justice are going to fall in the guilty column for you. And they would for me too, apart from God's grace. Apart from the work of Jesus in our life. We need perspective. We need to look at the day of Christ and remember that we will be pure and blameless in Christ. That we will be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. And you know what's amazing? The evidence of that, the evidence is working itself out in our lives right now. The evidence that we have been changed, the evidence that we will be pure and blameless is actually God's working it in our lives right now. And so the difficult relationships that you're in are an, listen, the difficult relationships that you're in, one more time, the, the, the difficult relationships that you're in right now, and I'm talking across the board, God has put you in them so that you will be able to grow, what does Paul pray, in love more and more right? So that we can grow up into what we already are. That we can grow up into what God has already made us. A, we need perspective. Love needs perspective. Do you remember the story of the ugly duckling? Raise your hand if you know the story, so, sort of. It's okay, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it very briefly. The ugly duckling 
is a story about a mother duck who hatches some eggs. And one of the eggs was not like the other. One of the ducklings was not like the other. It was big and it didn't have the, the bright coloring of the, 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 the other little cute little ducklings. This was a what? A ugly duckling, right? And, and, and it was an ugly duckling, so much so that the other ducklings, the, the little uh, brothers and sisters, were doing what? They were pointing their fingers at him. They were saying, you're ugly. They were pointing their fingers at him. They were saying, you're not like us. You don't look like us. You're gross. You're, you're mean. We don't like you. <laughs> the story goes that the ugly duckling, having been made fun of, having been rejected by his own family, took a hike. He said, I'm done with this. And he, and he got up and he left. And he's going out and he, and he, and he comes to a, a lake and he looks out on the lake and he sees these beautiful, these heavenly looking creatures that are majestic and, and they're, they're almost floating like angels across the water. And they're these beautiful swans. And he thinks, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. But then he looks at himself and he thinks, but I'll never be like that. He says, I'm just a reject. I want my life to end. And he goes and finds a cave. And, and in the original story, it says that uh, he spent a harsh winter in a cave. And at the end of a harsh winter, he emerged from the cave and he didn't feel any better. In fact, he felt worse. And this is crazy. He was feeling now, this is not in the picture books, okay? But in the original story, he was feeling suicidal. The ugly duckling, life had been so hard on him that he was feeling suicidal. And he saw these great uh, birds that he had seen uh, before coming down, swooping down, and he thought about throwing himself in front of them to be trampled by them. And that's what he did. He threw himself in front of them. But instead of trampling him, what did they do? They welcomed him into their family. They welcomed him. He was like, have you seen me? Do you know where I've been? Do you know what I've done? And, um, and they, but they say, no, no, welcome. Come into our family. Come on with us. We're going to the lake. And he goes to the lake. And when he gets to the lake, he looks in the water. And what does he see? He sees that he is a swan. And that through the winter... Through the cave, through the depression, through the pain, what is revealed to him in that day is that he is what he always hoped he would become. Now, if you rewind, that's a great story, isn't it? If you re rewind that story to the beginning, wouldn't it be amazing if somebody told him that first day, hey, you know, somehow these eggs got mixed up and you're actually not a duckling, you're a swan. What if someone had told him that right at the beginning? What if someone had given him perspective? Now, he may still have gone through all of the same pain, all of the same rejection, all of the same hardships of his life, right? He, he may still have gone through a harsh winter in the cave, but he would have had the perspective of knowing what he is and what he would become Love needs perspective. 
Why should we choose what is excellent today? Why should we choose the morally right thing to do? Why should we obey God's will today? Why should we seek to be pure and blameless today? Why? Because in Christ, that is what you already are. Because in Christ, that is what you already are. Excellent, pure and blameless. A perfectly obedient child of God. That is what you are. And we, but what we need is perspective, right? And we need to, to speak that into one another's lives. That, that gospel perspective of the good news is you, you already are pure and blameless. And so now you can just live in it. It's not an excuse to go out and live however you want to. No. I mean, if you're that ugly duckling and you realize you're a swan, you're going to live like a swan. Right? And God wants you to live like a Christian. God wants you to live in his will now. Because that is what you already are. And it will be revealed at the day of Christ. We need perspective for love to grow. And thirdly, we, need, we not only need knowledge for love to grow, we not only need perspective for love to grow, but we need a greater love. Love needs a greater love. Love needs a greater love. Look with me at verse 11, where it says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the what? The glory and the praise of God. Love needs a greater love. Love needs a greater love. Love is dependent. Love is derivative. You know what I mean by that? It's dependent. It's derivative. It comes from another source. Think about plants. Plants are completely dependent on outside forces. Water, nutrients, air, sunlight. Right? That little seed is totally dependent, totally derivative. Every bit of energy that it has is borrowed from the sun. Right? It's borrowed, it's photosynthesized, and turned into energy, chemical energy. Plants are completely dependent on the outside forces of nature, water, nutrients, sunshine, and so are we. We are completely dependent on outside forces. A person whose name is Yahweh, who we sang about earlier, who we said all the glory belongs to you, right? And that's right here in the scripture. It says, to him be the praise and the glory. Why? Because we are completely dependent on him. That we have nothing good to bring or to offer apart from God's work in us, right? That we have nothing good in ourselves to bring apart from God's grace and his love in us. Love needs a greater love. Love needs a greater love. In order to bear fruit, we have to have fuel to, 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 to come into our lives. We have to experience and receive the love of God. 
before we can express any kind of love to anybody else. We have to know what it means to be forgiven uh, before we can forgive. Uh, We have to know what it means to be cared for uh, before we can attempt to care for anybody else. The scripture here says that we stand in righteousness, that we bear the fruit of righteousness, and righteousness that comes from ourselves, right? Is that what it says? The righteousness that comes from being a good Christian girl. Uh, The righteousness that comes from being a good Christian boy. The righteousness that comes from being a good pastor, a successful pastor. (laughs) The righteousness that comes from being a good, no, you get the point, right? The point is what? The righteousness that comes from where? From Jesus Christ. The righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. God doesn't save good people. He saves lost people. Lost people who are set against him. God doesn't save people who are already kind of doing okay and just need a little help. No, God saves dead people who don't have a heartbeat, who don't have a breath, who don't have a life. That's who God saves. God saves ugly ducklings like us. Why? To the glory and the praise of God. You see, worship matters. We don't, churches, you know, the trend today is for people to kind of show up at church, check in, check out. But worship has to be about coming into God's presence and and acknowledging what we just have been studying. Acknowledging that Nothing I have is from me. Everything I have is from you. That's what worship is. Worship is laying everything before God and saying, it's all yours anyway. It's, it's doing the, it's ba- worship is basically photosynthesis, right? It's taking, is this too technical? It, are y'all with me? It's basically taking the sunlight of his goodness and his glory and his grace, receiving it, transforming it, and then responding with that energy. It, it, it is worshiping is giving the praise and the glory to God. And look, the only way you can do that is if you humble yourself. The only way you can do that, church, is if you, if you acknowledge your sin before God. Is if you come to him, you say, you know what? I know I don't have it together. I feel like an ugly duckling, and I know that that's the reality of my heart <laughs> inside of me. And what God wants to do is God wants to take your dead spirit, and he wants to breathe his breath of life on it. And he wants to make you alive with Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. You need, love needs the sunlight of a greater love. Love needs the sunlight of a greater love. And so we need to enter into that. That means we need to be together in worship. Uh, not only on Sunday, okay, but throughout our lives, all of life is an, an act of worship to God. When you are doing your job, when you're studying for your test, that is an act of worship. It's done to the glory of God, right? Um, and, and so there's much more we could say about that, but I wanted to, to kind of conclude with this. Um, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
And so the, the encouragement for us today is that we would love one another with knowledge. That means that we would get to know each other. Okay, a little plug for house church, all right? A little plug for uh, women's Bible studies, a little plug for growth groups, right? That we would get to know each other, that, and not only in those organized times, but outside of that, like send the text message, get somebody's number today, text them this week, how you doing? How can I pray for you, right? That we would love in knowledge, that we would love with perspective, that when we are going through hard times and when we see my brother's going through a hard time, that we would say, you are pure and blameless, brother. You are pure and blameless, sister, not because of what you've done, but because Christ in you. And encourage one another with that future perspective. And that we would always be looking to the greater love. That we would always be putting our love in perspective of the greater love that we have from God. So if you want love to grow, if you want love to grow, there needs to be a greater love. I want to end by just reading this prayer and kind of like making it a prayer because that's what it is, right? It's a prayer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change a couple of words so it fits for us. Would you bow your heads? I'm just going to end our time here with a prayer. And it is my prayer for New City that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of our God. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen.